What's happening, Dave? Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> How you been, man? Doing excellent, man. Doing excellent. You're me. Me too. Yeah. Did you have a good weekend? Uh, I had a very good weekend. I excellent. didn't write a thing. You didn't? No. I, I have not written anything uh, all weekend. I took a break. Well, that's uh, good. Yeah, I, I've been working on the dream book for the last probably three weeks. And I just got to a point where I had to walk away from it. That's what, um, I, I don't know, you have hobbies, I'm sure. Occasionally. And when it comes to writing a book, um, I will work on a book for a week or two, uh, putting in new ideas, information, organizing things, doing some editing. And then I get to a place where it all kind of blurs together and I just need to walk away from it. So yeah. I just put, put the book project on hold, spend some time with Denise, uh, do a little bit of spring cleaning around the house. Spring is here. It was like 89 degrees yesterday. For real? 89? Yeah, That's... it was 89 yesterday. It's going to be 85 today, I think. Jeez Louise, man. Uh, but then it's going to be in the 60s this week, so cold front is coming back. But yeah, I, I just I, I put down the dream book for the weekend. Uh, and then I come back to the book with a fresh pair of eyes. I look at it after not having seen it for a few days. I can go back in and start doing editing, uh, adding, cutting things out, you know, putting in things that, that need to be added. Uh, and that's kind of my workflow when I'm, when I'm writing a book. Yeah. Um, I'll work on it for a couple of weeks until my eyes are just like, it's all blurring together. Then I'll walk away from it for a few days, come back and start all over again, uh, evaluating it and like I said, doing editing and, and adding things in. So, so today I'm back on the dream book, which I'm really excited about. Um, I, I, obviously, as you know, I love talking about dreams. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, it. I, mean, I have nothing against healing and miracles and seeing in the spirit and all that. But, you know, dreams are a really amazing way that God communicates to us. And I just, I'm fascinated. I had a bunch of crazy dreams last night. Just all night long, all these crazy dreams. Uh, I have no idea what they mean. Uh, but I, I'm happy to be back on the, on the dream book. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who don't really know God, don't know about God, but they have dreams. Mm -hmm. And God's speaking to them through their dreams, and they don't know it. Uh, so, you know, it's it's another way where we can connect with God. And I, I'm all about relationship. Uh, if, it, if it brings us closer to God, if it brings us, um, you know, a little better understanding of who he is, who we are, what our identity is, I'm all about it. And that's what dreams are about. So... So now when you, when you say God's talking to people through their dreams and they don't really realize it, what do you mean by that? All right. Well, 
In the book of Job, uh, chapter 33, it says, God speaks in one way and another, but man does not perceive it. While man is sleeping in his bed at night, God uh, gives him messages to frighten him and keep him from falling in the pit. Uh, basically, th that section of the book of Job, and there's a lot of other places in the Bible, uh, says that God speaks to us in dreams because we don't understand the other ways in which he speaks to us. Hmm. Still small voice, visions, our conscience, um, circumstances of life, other people, you know, God is continually speaking to us in a lot of different ways. And because, because people are slow to hear and slow to understand, um, sometimes he speaks to us in dreams. So, you know, you go back to, um, the book of Genesis is full of dreams. Um, Jacob fell asleep by the river. He used a rock for his pillow, yeah. fell asleep, and had a dream where he was ascending into the heavens on a ladder, and there's angels going up and down. And yeah. that was a dream. That was a dream where he actually went into heaven. Um, you know, uh, Solomon was given wisdom. Uh, Solomon actually met with God, spoke with him, and, and, and the Lord said, Hey, you, you can have a, any wish you want, I'll grant it. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And because he didn't ask for his enemies, he didn't ask for wealth or power, uh, he asked for wisdom. God said, I'm going to give you the things you didn't ask for, as mm -hmm. well as what you did ask for. And when Solomon woke up, he realized the whole thing happened in a dream. Wow. <laughs> um, Joseph was warned not to put away Mary because she was pregnant and they had not had sex. And Joseph was like, okay, is she like cheating on me? Holy Spirit gives him a dream uh, and, and actually it was an angel who visited him and said, Joseph, do not put away Mary. That baby inside you is the Messiah and it's divinely conceived and take care of her and, and him. Uh, then the, uh, the Magi, when, when the, uh, when the Magi came to visit Jesus after he was born and bring the gifts, um, Herod told them to secretly, he told them in secret, <clears throat> go find the child <clears throat> and bring him back here so that I can, you know, so that I can worship him. This is Herod saying, yeah. Yeah, I want to worship this baby, this baby king. Well, the Magi left and they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod. So they didn't go back. Um, Joseph was then warned in a dream, get another visitation from an angel who told him, take the baby and go to Egypt because Herod is going to try to kill him. So Mary and Joseph headed down to Egypt. They and got they the heck Egypt. out. Yeah. Um, you know, Paul went to Macedonia to preach. It's it a really funny passage in the, in the book of Acts. Paul tried to go to Galatia. He tried to go to Troas. He tried to go to Bithynia. He tried to go here, and the Spirit wouldn't let him. The Spirit said no, and they couldn't preach there. And finally, Paul has a night vision. He's, he's at night and sleeping, and then he wakes up and he sees this night vision of a man praying in Macedonia. And the Holy Spirit said, go to Macedonia. That's, that's where I want you. So um, the book of Daniel, there's like the last three chapters of the book of Daniel, um, Daniel 10, 11, and 12, it's this long series of night visions uh, where these angels are talking to Daniel and showing him all these fantastic images about the future. 
the Bible is full of dreams and night visions. And that's what my, my book is going to, this next book I'm publishing, it's going to explain uh, what dreams are, what are visions and night visions, um, what kind of messages do they convey, how does our spirit receive them, how does our mind understand them, why do they not make sense? And that's a, the biggest thing, question people have about dreams is, you know, why are dreams so illogical most of the time? That That's the reason why um, psychologists believe that dreams originate in the soul. Hmm. It's because they're illogical. They don't make sense. And psychology doesn't know anything about the spirit, right? So they say that uh, we, we're, you know, physical being, uh, we're, we're controlled by our psyche or our mind, but they don't even know what the psyche or the mind is. They don't know if it has a physiological structure, where is it located, or is it some, you know, some nebulous, uh, non-physical thing. They don't even know what it is. Yeah. But because dreams tend to be illogical, and psychologists think that, well, the brain um, is the center of logical thought, cognitive processes, because dreams are illogical, psychology teaches that dreams originate in the soul or the mind or the same. Dreams are illogical because they are a spiritual language. And spiritual huh. and spiritual language is primarily symbolic. If you look at the book of Revelation, look at the book of Daniel, two two books that really delve into in depth um, spiritual communication. Right? So you have all these angels and this angel said, go over there and write down these numbers and write this down. And, and the angels like, and then I saw this great image in front of me. And these, there was these beings flying through the heavens. And <laughs> <laughs> what the heck was he saying? Uh, which you, what you, what you'll notice if you look at the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation, tons and tons of symbolic imagery why are these things gold? Why is that silver? And why is that bronze? And why is that thing burning? What are those flames? Why is that thing on fire? And I don't understand what that creature over there is saying. It's the, the language of the spiritual world is largely symbolic. And dreams are symbolic communication. Dreams are a language that is highly symbolic. And it doesn't make sense. It's not logical because it has to be interpreted. Right. And that's, and that's the thing about dreams and visions. Uh, you know, when I started having visions, gosh, years ago, 2008, I sat there day after day, week after week, month after month, and God was just showing me in my mind all these images with no words, yeah. <laughs> no text. I had to learn how to give, put an interpretation on all these images. And mm -hmm. God just showed me thousands and thousands of images over the course of probably two months, two, three months. I just saw them in my mind and I was developing a spiritual dictionary. Huh. So when I pray for people to be healed, I close my eyes and in my mind, I see these images. Or if I'm going to give somebody a prophetic word or, you know, praying for healing, the Holy Spirit will start showing me this, this kind of this newsreel of images. And because I've done this so many times, and I've learned the language of the spiritual world, I know what these images mean most mm -hmm. of the time. So when I give somebody a prophetic word, most of the time I'm doing it from the images I see. I know a lot of people who prophesy 
from like that still small voice. You just hear the voice of the spirit talking to them. For yeah. me, it's images. Um, I, I see images in my mind and I give them a prophetic word based on these symbolic pictures that I see or these little videos. And I just speak from what I see. I'm interpreting these, these visions. And this, um, dreams and visions are a highly symbolic language that has to be interpreted. And so that's that's kind of the thesis of this book on dreams, is that it's a language. Everybody has a unique language. That's the really fun part of it. Uh, the reason why I don't interpret other people's dreams is that um, dreams are a unique language, right? So each person has a spiritual language that God uses to speak to them, and it's different from everybody else's. So I have a lot of dreams where last night, one of the scenes in my dream, two of the scenes actually, Let's one, I was in an ambulance. What? I was in the back, I was in the back of this ambulance and this paramedic friend of mine says, hey man, hey, hey Dave, you need to intubate this guy. And this guy was stuffed way down on the floorboard in the front of this truck. And I was in the back of the ambulance. I'm like, oh yeah, I have an arm that's eight feet long. I can just reach in there and intubate that guy, no problem. But it was, it was in an ambulance, it was an EMS setting. Uh, and this paramedic is a guy that he's very, very good on airways and I, I respect the guy. And another scene, there's actually three scenes that, that were, and another scene where this uh, lieutenant uh, that I used to used to know at a fire station years ago, he was doing a training session in this room on ropes, like tying knots and, and rope craft and knot craft and all this stuff. You know, how to use ropes in rescue situations. I just kind of wandered into the room and there's Mike, he's talking and teaching his class. And I'm like, why the heck am I here? And then I had another scene where there was a doctor in a hospital and he had a very serious condition. And I helped move this guy to another hospital to, to, to do a procedure on him that they couldn't do at the first hospital. And it was total freaking chaos. We're transporting this guy over there to the other hospital. We get him in a hallway, the bed's flying down the hallway, it goes around a corner, I lose track of him, <laughs> where the hell did this guy go? And then I'm like, where's the paperwork? Like we have to have transfer <laughs> paperwork and all the paperwork disappeared. I'm like, who the hell's got the transfer form? Like, I don't, I don't know. It was total pandemonium and chaos. But you see, <clears throat> because I work in, in, uh, worked in medicine, I tend to have dreams that take place in EMS, fire hospitals mm -hmm. that's my dream language and you know you well you did you know web design and graphic design right mm -hmm. so i would imagine a lot of your dreams have to do with computers and the internet and design elements and stuff like that that's denise a lot of her dreams have to do with um years ago she had a lot of graphic design computer um related dreams now that she's pursuing painting She's having more dreams that have to do with her art and painting and canvases mm -hmm. and things of that nature. Um, whatever, you, whatever environment you're familiar with, whether it's, you know, at, most people it's at work. What do you do for a living? But whatever your career is, that tends to be the setting and the language God uses to speak to you because you understand those things. You understand the computer programs. You understand what these terms mean. Uh, and I wouldn't because I don't work in that area. So God speaks to us in dreams through a unique symbolic language. And we have to learn how to interpret those symbols.
Now, were you like even before you started getting the dreams and visions? You know, as a Christian, you know, were you were you always somebody that dreamed a lot? Did you always have? No, you didn't. Nope. Um, from the probably the time I was twenty or twenty-one until the time I was forty-six, I never had a dream. Wow. At all, and I don't mean I had dreams that I forgot. I just didn't dream mm -hmm. at all for like twenty-five years. Uh, and I was fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care, you know, and that's why I pay so much attention to my dreams now is because when you have no dreams for 25 years and all of a sudden you're having dreams every night, you pay attention to them. Yeah. Yeah. So now I pay attention to my dreams and dude, I get, I get uh, the, the intense dreams. Um, not always intense. They're just, to me, they're just generally interesting except last night i was total chaos i'm like what? <laughs> <laughs> and then i don't know uh but you know I, it's, I tend to have one dream a night last night i had scene after scene after scene same thing the night before i had a bunch of random scenes all night long uh which i don't really understand at this point but you don't have to understand all your dreams yeah uh, I, I i journal them i write them all down whatever ones i remember i write down I woke up this morning. I'm telling Denise, I'm like, holy crap. I had the craziest dreams last night. <laughs> I'm telling her about them and I'm writing them down. Um, but you know, if you, if you take your dreams seriously, God will give you more of them. And that's what happened to me years ago. I used to have uh, two or three dreams a week and then it became more frequent. And right now I'm having, there's rarely, is there a night go by that I don't have a dream? Yeah. Is there and, and I take them seriously. Does there always seem to be like a certain theme that runs through them for for different times or, and what's going on in your life? Are you like, are you having? I know you're not focused so much on on what's going on around you know. Now we talked about that a little bit last week. You know, kind of like me, I'm not really paying attention to what's going on. You know, doing different things. But so so like now that you're writing, like your dreams are changing as compared to the yep. dreams that you were having like a, like a year yeah, ago. Yeah, they do. Yep, my my dreams change in subject matter based on the season. So back in November and December, mm -hmm. almost all my dreams are about the election. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, from the inauguration, a couple of days before the inauguration, for about a week and a half, yeah, two weeks, they were about the military, mm -hmm. what, what it looks like the military is going to do. And then that period ended, and now I'm having, uh, I'm having different dreams. Um, I think last night's series of dreams was kind of a just a vignette to remind me that that there's i have a dream language and all these different different elements represent things that are part of my dream language i had another dream last night where i was walking around a school this is the most bizarre school uh i saw all these classrooms and um there was adult teachers and there was just weird stuff going on in all these rooms. Like in one room, the teacher was flirting with a, uh, a young woman who was in his class. In another room, this one older woman was the teacher. And there were, there were some strange things going on in her room. But I walked over to this window and I noticed there were these like electrical wires, almost hmm. like... Um, electrified fence 
but I knew that they lit up. They were illuminated. They could be illuminated. If you flip the switch, you could turn these on and they would have like, there'd be like lines of light outside. And I felt in the dream that this lady was supposed to turn those on and she wasn't turning them on. And it was like, they were very, very old and mm -hmm. ancient uh, custom or tradition. And she didn't want to turn the lights on for some reason. And I was like, you know, this would be really cool. Nice setting if you turn these freaking lights on and she wouldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> But it was a school, and that speaks to one of my um, one of the things I love to do, which is teach. Mm -hmm. I just love teaching. So even though this series of dreams I had last night was just a bunch of chaotic stuff, every scene in that dream is typical of the kind of dream language that God speaks to me through: teaching, EMS, fire, hospitals. Those are all the settings. And that's not the comprehensive uh, list of settings, but those are typical for the type of things God talks about in those scenes. He gives me messages. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it, it, people's dreams do change from season to season. When my daughter was a teenager, she was in high school, she was on a swim team and almost all of her dreams, she was in a pool <laughs> and there was different things going on in the pool. Yeah. Um, you know, same thing for my son. When my son was in high school. He, he was in track and field for a while. And he was in swimming. And a lot of his dreams, the scenery in the dream would change based on what he was actively doing at, at any given time. And that's, I think that's true for most people. Um, there are certain scenes you'll see pretty consistently in your dreams, but it'll change. And this topic, uh, subject matter will change from time to time. And in the last year or two, I can't tell you how many dreams people have sent me about President Trump. And those dreams about Trump have slowed down for me and for a lot of other people, although some people are still having interesting dreams mm -hmm. about him, but not as many. It looks like people's subject matter of their dreams is changing. Uh, and I'm not sure what it's changing to right now for most people. But yeah. Yeah. Well, what my, would you say to somebody that's that's trying to, because I see in the chat, you know, some people are talking about they, they want to learn how to remember their dreams. They want to know how to, how to learn that language. I mean, what would, what would your advice be to somebody that's uh, stepping out and trying to, because you know, you know me, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm starting to remember mine a little bit more, but like, what advice okay. could you give to some people, you know, to pick up this language? Cause I, I love the fact that I never heard that before. You know, maybe I haven't, it just didn't register this morning that your dreams are actually like a language. I, I love that. That puts a whole different spin on it for me. But like, what would you suggest to somebody that's wanting to start out with their dreams and, uh, and, and how to not so much interpret them, but, but just to work with them a little bit, you know? Yep. Well, the first thing you should do every time you have a dream is write it down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, record it in some way. Um, you know what? Uh, some people, let's go ahead and find mine. I don't know if it's in here. Uh, it's in my, it's on my shelf. I have a little uh, voice recorder, uh -huh. <laughs> little digital voice recorder. You can uh, just in the middle of the night grab your voice recorder or your phone if you have a you know, an app on your phone that does voice recording and just record the, the basic contents of the dream. Or for I write them down. Right. I got a little stack of three by five note cards sitting on my nightstand, little tiny flashlight and a couple of pens. 
when I have a dream, I wake up, sit before I do anything, I write it down. And here's why. Because when you are conscious and awake, your soul is in control of your cognitive processes, your, your mm. thoughts, your soul is sort of running, running the game. When you go to sleep, your soul checks out and rests and your spirit takes over. Your, your spirit is always conscious and aware. Your spirit doesn't actually sleep. Uh -huh. Your soul will rest and your physical body needs rest. But when your physical body is sleeping, your spirit is like, hey, mom and dad are gone. I'm in control. <laughs> this is awesome. I can do whatever yeah. I want now. I'm going to go visit somebody and pray for them. Uh, here's a, here's an example. And I'm going to gonna answer your question, but I want to give you a couple of illustrations. I had a dream one night where I went around visiting friends and I was um, dropping off eggs at their house. At each person's house, I would drop off an egg. Nice. Well, this, this friend of mine texts me in the morning after I had that dream. He goes, dude, what were you doing at my house last night? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you can't, he goes, when I was sleeping last night, I had a dream. You came into my house and you knew that you sensed that I had a shoulder injury and you prayed over my shoulder. And when you were doing it, I felt this bolt of lightning go through my body. He goes, and wow. I woke up this morning and my shoulder injury is healed. Wow. Yeah, she had a partially separated shoulder and he couldn't work out. And he goes, dude, he goes, it works. It feels great this morning. I went to the gym and I worked out and it's awesome. So for some reason uh, I want eggs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a dream where I visited him or I was visiting friends and he had a dream where I visited him and prayed for him and he got, he actually got healed in the dream. Wow. So what that tells me is that my spirit is active when my body is sleeping. My spirit is like, hey, time to do all the cool stuff that I can't do when he's awake. So uh, in the, my spirit will go and pray for people while I'm sleeping and do all kinds of stuff. That's because your spirit is more in control of your mind and your faculties when you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. And when you wake up, when you wake up, your soul comes back up and takes over dominance. And all that stuff that you were thinking about and all the dreams and the experiences, it just vaporizes. Wow. It goes back uh, in the recesses of your mind because, you see, that's, that's a reason why I don't believe most dreams are from the soul. It's because... If they were originated, if the if a dream originated in your soul, your mind would hang on to it. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But because dreams are spiritual, people forget their dreams because they're in their spirit. They're not in your soul, they're in your spirit. And when your spirit goes back down and your soul comes back up, you start thinking about, okay, what did I do last night? Uh, what do I gotta do today? Where's my calendar? What's my schedule? You start thinking about all the cares of the world. That's mm -hmm. your mind, your soul, thinking about those things. You totally forget about spiritual things. The dreams, the visions, the experiences, most of that will be gone. So as soon as you wake up from a dream, write it down. Don't think about what it means. Don't process it. Just write down the basic information of the dream. Because if you don't, as soon as you get up 
go to the bathroom, check your email, get some coffee, whatever you dreamt about, it's gone. Yeah. And you're probably never going to remember it. Yeah. So that's the, the key to learning to remember your dreams is to write them down as soon as you wake up. And that takes, it's discipline. It, it's, it's like going in the freaking Marines and learning how to clean a rifle, how to yeah. fire a rifle, how to do anything. It's, it's memory and it's d discipline and just learning to do it over and over again. If you are having a difficulty remembering your dreams, and if you're not having a lot of dreams, start getting in this discipline of writing them down every time you wake up. As soon as you wake up, before you do anything, whatever details of the dream you remember, write them down. Mm -hmm. Write them down, piece of paper, note card. I have a friend, she has a laptop computer that she sits on a little table next to her bed. Mm -hmm. She will wake up, type it in the uh, word processing program, save it, put the thing back down and go back to sleep. Nice. Very, very important to record your dreams uh, or night visions or whatever you kind of experiences you have at night. If you do, you'll find yourself remembering more dreams. You'll find yourself having more dreams. Um, and, and here's the spiritual law behind that. You know about spiritual laws, or mm -hmm. if you don't, you're going to find out. Here we go. Um, I, I'm not real big on spiritual laws, but there are some concepts in the scripture that they sort of, they sort of look like spiritual laws. Like there's this law in the spiritual world. And if you, if you transgress this law, there's going to be consequences. And if you obey this law, there's going to be consequences, right? So sowing and reaping is one example. Paul said, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Therefore, give generously because God loves a cheerful giver. And if you give, it'll be given back to you. Mm -hmm. uh, right? So the spiritual law of sowing and reaping is if you're stingy and miserly because you're concerned about you're, you're not going to have enough, if you don't give to others, if you keep it all for yourself, you're not going to have blessings come back to you. Right? That's the law of sowing and reaping. Um, and just to be clear, um, <laughs> If you're a person who thinks that you can get rich by giving to other people, it's not actually the idea uh, at work there. The, the principle is, all right, if your heart is motivated out of generosity toward others, you want to gladly want to give to others to be a blessing to them. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the motivation in your heart. Paul was simply saying, oh, by the way, if you happen to be generous and you happen to give generously to other people, you're going to receive back blessings. The motivation is not, I want to get rich, therefore I'm going to give a lot of money to other people. The motivation is, I want to bless other people and I'm going to support them. Yeah. That's the motivation. Now, with dreams, um, there's a similar spiritual law that Jesus talked about in Matthew 13. So Matthew 13 is where Jesus starts the kingdom parables and dreams are parables, right? So Jesus taught uh, often through parables. Mm -hmm. The kingdom of God is like unto a man who had a kingdom and he went away for a long time and he left his goods in charge of his servants, right? So he tells all these, all these parables in Matthew 13. And in Matthew 13, the disciples said, hey, why do you speak to them in parables? 
And he said, Jesus explained spiritual law. He said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it has not. Mm. Therefore I speak to them in parables, seeing they would not see and hearing they would not hear. Right? For whoever has, he will be given more, and whoever has not, even what he has will be taken from him. Right. All right, that's the spiritual law right there. So he was talking about the scribes and Pharisees. He taught the disciples plainly, but when he spoke publicly and the scribes and Pharisees were around, he would speak to them in parables. Because their eyes were blind. They didn't want to see, they didn't want to understand uh, the realities of God's kingdom. So because they didn't value taken from them mm. and to those who did value the things of God what they had would be multiplied and they would receive more all right so here's the spiritual principle if you value the things of God God will give you more if you do not value the things of God what you have will be taken from you <laughs> all right that makes total so, sense if you value dreams that's the key. If you value your dreams, if you treasure them, if you prize them highly, God is going to give you more of them. And and one way in which I value my dreams is I record them. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I've got stacks and stacks and stacks of note cards uh, of dreams over the last 12 years. I value them. Uh, Denise and I talk about them. We value the interpretation. We share them with other people. Um, I place a very high value on my dreams and God over the last 12 years has given me more and more and more that right now I'm not only just having a dream every night, I'm having many dreams every night. Some nights my whole life is one long series of dreams. That's because I value the dreams. So if you just want to have dreams because you're bored and you want to watch TV while you're sleeping and you can't get Netflix, you know, when you're crashed out so you want to have, watch god's version of netflix that's not exactly valuing dreams that's that's valuing them for the entertainment value but god wants you to to actually take what he shows you in dreams and draw closer to him walk in your identity maybe walk out your destiny or learn what your destiny is because mm -hmm. god will show you your divine destiny in dreams he'll encourage you how in, in how to fulfill your divine destiny. Uh, that's the kind of thing he wants to do through dreams. Um, and and if, if you value revelation from God, be it dreams or visions or prophetic words, uh, God will give you more of it. He'll, he gives you what you value. Uh, and if you value Netflix, he'll give you more Netflix. <laughs> I don't want more Netflix, but I want more dreams. I'm going to start valuing them a little bit more. <laughs> Now, what about like, okay, so, you know, one of the things I, that I got when, when I read Seeing in the Spirit, um, and I remember calling you up and I'm like, oh my gosh, Dave, I've been seeing in the Spirit this whole time. I didn't even realize it. <laughs> you were seeing the whole time. I didn't know I, it. Like, like, okay. So, you know, cause the way I see things like God gives me, like, I, I, I have a hard time remembering my dreams. Right. But I'm going to start flipping some things on that. But like, I get these little scenes, like I'll, I'll like, eh, 
And I don't know. I think maybe sometimes it's like one of those weird introvert things, you know. I get like the, you know, the 10,000 mile stare where I'm just like, you know, and God's like showing me, showing me things. He's like scenes or he's impressing on me something. So are, are, are like visions like that or like the scenes that from seeing in the spirit are those because they, they, you know, they obviously they happen to be during the day. So are those like little dreams as well? Yep. So, All right. So that's interesting. Let's uh, we're going to get into the um, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. the, the physiology or physics of dreams. OK, where do they come from? So. So, because this is this is what a lot of people struggle no, spirit, with. Spirit, 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 spirit. It's paying attention. So, what what pe what a lot of people don't understand is that dreams and visions are perceived by our mind, our soul, as like either still images or videos that appear in that little TV screen in your mind. Mm -hmm. Right. So, when you're having a dream. It looks like sometimes it looks like you're watching a movie, <laughs> right? Yeah. If you're seeing visions, sometimes it looks like you're just seeing a slideshow of still images. I, I see that quite a lot. Sometimes the visions that I see are are more like videos or moving. Sometimes they're animated. A lot of times they're still images. And what a lot of people don't understand about visions is that um, we're all having visions pretty much all the time um, and here's why visions and dreams can be thought of as um, the activity the visual activity that your spirit is observing hmm. your spirit doesn't actually like go in and out of existence when you go to sleep or like when, when you suddenly, when your physical body suddenly dies and your spirit steps into eternity, into the spiritual world, it's not like your spirit just suddenly is born and now has eyes and ears to hear things in the spiritual world. Right. Your spirit exists right now. You're, you have spiritual ears, spiritual eyes, spiritual senses. And if your spirit has spiritual eyes, your spirit is seeing things in the spiritual world all the time. Your spirit exists with other spiritual beings, demons, angels, and the spirits of other people. And your spirit is able to see them at any time. Your mind needs to learn to focus on what your spirit is seeing. Mm -hmm. The reason I close my eyes a lot of times when I'm praying for people or trying to get a prophetic word or something of that nature is I'm shutting out the natural world, the mm -hmm. physical world. And I'm trying to tune into what my spirit is seeing in the spiritual world. Oh, look, I see these um, like colors of purple and blue and streaks going this way right, right now. These two big round things over here. I'm not sure what they are. But whenever I close my eyes, I see something in the spiritual world because I'm, I'm tuning out what's in the physical world and I'm tuning into what my spirit is observing in the spiritual world. Mm -hmm. All right. Whatever I see in that little TV screen in my mind, that's a vision. <laughs> All right. It's, and it's not complicated. It's not spooky spooky. Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually very natural. But what you need to do, what we need to do is learn to train our mind to shut out the images that we see in the physical world 
focused on what we see in the spiritual world. Mm -hmm. And so to your question, um, the, the visual imagery that we receive, it comes in, it comes in a lot of different ways. So let me explain it this way. Your spirit is able to see things in the spiritual world, right? So if your spirit is looking at a, a mountain range in the spiritual world, when you close your eyes and focus on what your spirit's going to see, you're, you're going to see in your mind an image of those mountain, that mountain range that your spirit is looking at mm -hmm. in the spiritual world. Um, that is observing what your spirit is seeing, right? Then you might get, have an observation of something, a message, another spiritual being sent to you in the same, in the way that you and I communicate, we're communicating, communicating through, um, language, vocal cords, air. I force air out of my lungs, goes through my vocal cords, goes into the microphone. You hear it. Your ears, drums resonate, vibrate, turns it into an electrical signal, goes to your auditory nerve, to your brain, which is re-encodes it as voice. Okay. That's a mechanical process of hearing someone speaking. When we see, when my eyes, your eyes see, we're seeing, our seeing is photons of light that travel into our eye through the lens to the optic nerve converted to electrical signal, goes to the brain, is reconverted into an image. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, the physical body has to convert photons of light into electrons mm -hmm. that travel through a nerve to our brain to be interpreted. That's how the physical body sees and hears. And actually, sense of touch, same way. You touch your finger, that sensation has to be converted to electrical signals, goes up the nerves to your brain. Again, electrons. Yeah. Spiritual communication is different. Spiritual communication is primarily done through the transmission of thoughts and images, right? Hmm. So if you, uh, if you're, if there's an angel standing in front of you and you close your eyes and all of a sudden you see this kind of glowing, you know, like big, tall being standing there in front of you, you start getting these thoughts yeah. <laughs> that are hitting your mind. You're seeing, uh, visually, your spirit is seeing the angel, but the angel is transmitting thoughts to you telepathically because, oops, sorry. Um, because angels don't have vocal cords. They don't have optic nerves. They don't have auditory nerves. They don't have a lens. They don't have corneas and eardrums. Angels and your spirit don't communicate through audible an audible voice. Spiritual language is conveyed primarily through thought impressions and visual imagery. So when you're in a dream and you're, you're with your family and all of a sudden you know that your brother-in-law is going to get a new job and you know that your sister-in-law is having an affair with some other guy. How do you know that stuff in a dream? How do you just know things that no one ever tells you? Right. Like in dreams, they're just stuff that you know, right? How is that information conveyed? It's conveyed through thoughts. You don't have to have someone in a dream. 
I've had, I had a conversation with C.S. Lewis in a dream. He didn't say a word to me. I didn't hear his audible voice. He I remember that. He communicated to me through thoughts. He, he was, I, I could hear his thoughts and he could hear my thoughts. And we were communicating, but we never spoke a word. That's how things are in the spirit. In the spiritual world, most communication is done through visual imagery and the exchange of thoughts. And that's why you just know things in a dream that you wouldn't know in the natural. In the natural world, someone has to tell you things for you to know it. In the spirit, that information is just transmitted to you through thoughts. So it's the, the spiritual communication, that dynamic, completely different from how it's done in the physical world. Uh, but to me, I find it fascinating uh, to yeah. just you know, try to analyze how that whole process works. Yeah, it's very fascinating. Like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on it some more. I am, cause I'm, I'm determined. <laughs> I've been, I've been remembering my dreams a little bit more lately. So, you well, know, that's good. Yeah. I like that you had a dream about arrests. That's yeah. uh, very encouraging. I did, and it was like not only were they getting arrested, like the rest of the world was seeing it too. It was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah that one. Oh yeah, that one too. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. One. It's it, it's coming. Yeah, let's let's talk. We got a few minutes left. I, I know you wanted to talk about the 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 plan a little bit too. Let's uh let's, let's switch gears. Let's talk about the the plan. The plan. Okay. I, I've I've observed that since the election, a lot of people have come to the conclusion that the plan failed, or that there never was a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, because obviously, if there was a plan and patriots were in control, Trump would still be in the White House. Right. Well, that observation uh, is is incorrect, and and, and those are the words of someone who never understood the plan. And and the problem is people tend to put in their own expectations and their own desires, and they kind of formulate the plan according to what they want. Mm -hmm. So I would say a good three quarters of the people who followed Q all they really wanted was arrests. Yeah. That's all they wanted. Yeah. Even the ones uh, that call us crazy. Even the ones they, that call us crazy, they just want the arrest too. That's all they want. Yeah, where's right. the arrest? And, you know, I, I understand that, that sympathy that you feel like you just have a need for justice. Mm-hmm. You just have this need where you, you're not going to rest and be satisfied until people are arrested. Yeah. And, okay, that's fine. You are entitled to your um, desires. That's never been my desire. Uh, Not that I don't want people to be arrested. I do. I think that arresting criminal people is is an important part of the process, Mm -hmm. but it's a small part of the process. And it's the last part of the process. It's not the first. (laughs) Right? So a lot of people have been thinking that well, we gotta have arrests. You know that that's how you that's how you wake people up. That's how you prove it. You have to arrest people. No, yeah. wrong. Um, the the plan from a big picture view, um, what what Q's operation is, part one is a public information operation. It is a it was an operation designed to drop information that could be uh, disseminated to and received by the public to make them aware of institutional corruption, Mm -hmm. period. 
full stop. That is part one of the plan. And that plan has succeeded in, a, in, in an incredible way. There are so many people who are awake now, so many people who are aware of institutional corruption in federal government, in state government, in the healthcare industry, in academia, in Hollywood, in the media. Five years ago, there was a small fraction, very small fraction of the population that was aware of those things. Yeah. Now, that fraction of the population is huge. A lot of people have become awake to the truth. That's the first part of Q's operation and it has succeeded in an incredible way. So when people say, trust the plan, the plan failed. Why are you still trusting the plan? I'm like, dude, the plan part one has been pulled off with, uh, it's been executed in a brilliant way. It's completely successful, Delicious. absolutely successful. If you understand what the plan was, you can look back and go, wow, man, there's like, there's so many people who are awake who know what's going on now. Yeah. Right. So <clears throat> that part of the plan has been successful. The second part, the second phase of the plan is the arrest and prosecution of the people that are involved in uh, institutional corruption. Mm -hmm. Well, that phase has not started yet. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't know how that phase is going to roll out. I suspect the military is going to enforce phase two. Um, that's what God has shown me. He's shown me that academia, Hollywood, the media, government corruption, it's all going to be dealt with primarily through the through the military. Yeah. And that phase has not started yet. Uh, and, you know, I, I know a lot of people who say, well, if the military was going to do something, they would have already done it. That's like looking at a woman who's eight months pregnant and saying, <laughs> well, if you were going to deliver that baby, you would have already delivered it. Yeah. <laughs> if you were really going to do this. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. The, the, the U.S. military doesn't work on your time frame. Well, guess what? Yeah. Uh, that's kind of how life is. <laughs> life doesn't work on your time frame. Yeah. Um, I think I, there's definitely like a remnant, remnant, you know, I what think there's, that? I think there's definitely like a remnant, you know, not, not only does like in a Christian world, but also like in this, there's like the ones that have, you know, they came up along it and there's, there's, there's really starting to get it in a new way. I, I know I used to come to you all the time and I was like, I'm embarrassed to even think about it. Like, I remember like a year ago, like, Dave, what are we going to do after the storm rolls through? You know, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, and you would, you would always just so gently and so lovingly with me. You'd be like, Greg, you got to keep the, the main thing, the main thing. I, I, I feel like I'm finally there, like where I finally, like I'm not arrived, but I feel like I'm finally freaking there where I understand people are coming in this morning and melting down that SCOTUS is like denying all these court cases and stuff. And I'm like, woohoo, right it's on. It's more evidence of corruption. Yeah. I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know? it's, just, it's just more evidence of corruption. And, yeah. and this is part of phase one. It's yeah. bring out the evidence of corruption and let people see it. Yeah. Right. That way, whoever comes down in, you know, it's three months, six months, a year, whenever they decide they're going to crack down, they can, they can point to all the evidence of corruption and go, have you, have you seen the mountain of evidence of corruption yeah. <laughs> in every area of society? Oh, you have. Oh, then you know why we're taking these actions. Yeah. Um, th that's, you know, and so another part of the plan is going to be uh, prosecution and the arrests of corrupt people. A third part of the plan is society has to be rebuilt. 
Yeah. We have to rebuild our election system. We have to rebuild uh, the entertainment industry. We have to rebuild the media. We have to rebuild academia and rip out all the cor corrupt aspects and rebuild this whole thing. This is not like a, a one and done. It's only going to take a couple of weeks or even a year or two. Yeah. This is going to take a long time to do all this stuff. It's going to take probably a generation, 20 years or so, yeah. to completely unbrainwash a global community uh, and, and get everyone thinking in a different way, living in a different way, mm -hmm. removing all this institutional corruption. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen shortly, but it's, a, it's a, just a long process. And um, someone I know may or may not be working on a fictionalized, novelized version of that story uh, coming soon to oh, really? a bookshelf near you. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, that could be. <laughs> Uh, so when can we, when, when can we, like people are asking all the time. So when, when can we, when are we going to get a new medic book on ourselves? I know you're finishing, you're in editing in one of them. I know there's, yep. there's certain things. So, when, when can we get a new book? The, the dream book. Well, let me just say this. The third Q book is the manuscript is finished. Yes. Not going to publish it right now. Ah. It's on hold. You're killing me, Dave. Sorry. <laughs> uh, this is not a good time to publish that book. All right. Uh, it's just a toxic environment right now, and I don't want to add fuel to the fire. Gotcha. So we're holding holding off on that book for now. Okay. Uh, working on the dream book, dream interpretation made simple. Um, that manuscript is almost finished. I'm going to try to get that manuscript finished up this week. Um, get the final edits done. Hand it over to Denise. She'll look through it, do some editing. And she has to come up with a cover design and flow it all into the interior and do her InDesign magic. And then we have to do some fitting. And then that book should be out. Gosh, can I give a time frame? What the heck day is today? Is today like the 8th of March or something? Yeah. Uh, will it be out by the end of the month? I don't know. I, I always, I'm always hesitant to, to put dates on right. anything, uh, especially a book launch, because I never really know how things are going to go. I think the workflow on the editing of this book is going to go pretty quickly. Uh, it doesn't require as much fact checking as it would like a, a Q book requires an, an enormous amount of fact checking. This one won't. Um, so it'll, it'll be out pretty soon. I would say in the next month, probably. Mm -hmm. And then the book Greg is really looking forward to, which is power and authority made simple. Yes. That's the one I'm dying for, man. Hold on. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. We gotta give that one a drum roll. Hand off the manuscript for dream interpretation made simple. When I give that to Denise, I'll go back on Power and Authority Made Simple. That oh, book is probably two thirds to three quarters of the way uh, finished. Um, I was working on the dream book and the Power and Authority at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my mojo was on the dreams, so that one's gonna be done first. Power and Authority Made Simple will come on the heels of dream interpretation book. A um, couple months probably. For so, that we, one. so we could have some new stuff for the summer. I like it. I like it. Yeah. yeah. And then summer then, blockbuster series with praying medic. Then maybe I get to go uh, full bore on my science fiction series, which I'm really looking forward to, to working on. You're going to have uh, fun with that. I'm getting a lot of ideas, which I'm just putting into uh, a, a manuscript. I've got 
the entire plot structure for all three books laid out. Um, now it's just going in and writing all the scenes individually um, in, in each book for each part of the book. And uh, I'm learning a new way of writing. Thanks to Robert McKee, uh, McKee and his book story. Man, that book blew my mind. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. Um, I'm just reading chapter after chapter going, holy cats. Oh my gosh. I never knew that. Wow. That's brilliant. And I'm, I'm, I'm applying a lot of what I'm learning from McKee's book in it's going to be applied in this novel or the, the science fiction trilogy. I think that trilogy will be some of my best writing probably. Um, cause I'm really coming up, I think, uh, up the curve on my, on my ability to, um, create interesting scenes, create interesting dialogue, create interesting conflict, which is what story is all about. Story is all about conflict. Yeah. Uh, if you don't have interesting, compelling conflict in, in fiction, you don't have a good story. Yeah. And I'm learning a lot about that. Uh, I'm surprised I got through my first novel, but that was thanks to my editor, Amy Martin, who is a literary nerd and taught me a lot about all that. But uh, I have much better tools to work with now than I did two months ago. So, Well, I know that I've enjoyed like, uh, you know, especially just like over this last month or so, especially, you know, just, uh, you know, every time we talk, you, you, you're just, you're loving life. You're doing what you really enjoy I, doing. And I am uh, loving life. It's, it's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I know there's a lot of people out there that are stressed out, but if you, uh, if you draw yourself away from the world stuff, away from Biden, away from the, the mainstream media stuff and just go hang out with God, you're going to have a blast. Amen. Amen. That's you what are. I've been loving doing too. It's like, like I, I'm like literally like for the first time in three years or so, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm not even paying. Like, I don't care. You know, would they messing it up? Yeah, sure. They do. Oh, they're lying. Okay. You know I mean? There's like, <laughs> there's literally nothing to see here, folks. That was something I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I've been, I've been diving in and trying to do some different things and listening to God in, in a new way. And I'm looking forward to uh, making my dreams valuable, you know? So, uh, cool. yeah, and I love like, look, we, we got time to do stuff like medic Monday now. So thank you so medic much Monday. for uh, this. Okay. This is awesome. For those of you who are uh, complaining that I'm not doing regular broadcasts. Uh, yeah. Greg kind of slightly twisted my arm a little bit. I gave you every opportunity to say no. You certainly did. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be a regular installment on Greg's live stream on Monday mornings. We'll be here, same bat time, same bat channel. Uh, I'm just talking about life, talking about what's going on. I'll be giving updates. Uh, you know, and, and Greg and I will just be talking about stuff, and it'll be a regular thing. And if I can get the HTML code for your live stream, I could even embed it on my website. Uh, yes. so people can go there and watch it if they want. But yeah, this, this is going to be a regular thing. So uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, this is good. You're one of my besties, man. I love hanging out with you. And everybody else loves hanging out with you too. So uh, I, I love hanging out with you, Greg. Uh, you always add a little spice to life. <laughs> I'm just a goofball, man. That's why I like you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now I'm going to start blushing, man. I'll start fangirling out, man. <laughs> 
Uh, well, thank you so much, Dave. And oh, you, 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 we can't, we can't, we can't go without mentioning Miguel Forney and the awesome opener for your segment. Oh, Miguel I mean, Forney, by the way, thank you for the awesome intro uh, music. It's great. I love it. Yeah, Honored. yeah, it's so good. I, I think, and you know, that's the one things that uh, with, with uh, I could we we got to go because we got to get out of here. But you know, one of the things about watching Miguel Forney too is like. Is like through this time where everything kind of got thrown to the wind, you know, he's doing different things too. And like the, the music is just coming to him like song after song, after song, after song. It's amazing. I think this is a wonderful time to draw near, you know? Yep. Yep. Good time to be an artist. Good time to draw near to God. Most definitely. All right. Well, speaking of that, I'm going to go out on a Miguel Fornia th- uh, tune. Thank you so much, Dave, for being here. I'm sure I'll talk to you very soon today. Um, uh, if you hit me up on Telegram, if you want. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much for being here. I'm really looking forward to to seeing what we do with this together on uh, on Medic Mondays. Me too. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I'm gonna get out of here. Um, Dilly's up. Julie Lavender. After that, I'll be back tonight for Winds of the Day around seven o'clock hour. But uh, let's go out real quick on on Miguel Forney's new tune, Fearless. All right, guys, God bless your day. I love you so much.